right, good morning, church family. So glad you're here. If you're joining us online, thanks for being here as well. Uh, Happy New Year, almost, and um, Merry Christmas and all that's passed, but doing well today, church? Good, amen. Hey, today, if you have your sermon notes, you can grab those out. If you don't have sermon notes in your hand, uh, you can raise your hand and someone will bring someone to you. If you need some sermon notes, just lift your hand up. Uh, We're going to end the year as far as in our sermon with just a couple of lessons from the book of Jonah. I was going to do a whole series in the turn of the year, but changed that. And so I want to just do a one-day kind of a talk overview. I'll do my best to extract um, a few lessons that we can learn from the book of Jonah as we enter this new year. All right, so uh, this past week, uh, end, I guess past week, a couple days, uh, me and my wife got to get away for a little bit and do some kind of glamping and uh, any, any glampers out there. Um, and so, but it was, it was a good time. We got to get away for a few days. And of course, uh, one of the things we, we did, we built some campfires and tried to build fires. And there's all kinds of ways to build fires. And um, I guess in my head, I think that, you know, it should be easy. And, you know, you, you, you light a fire and it would be just like, oh yeah, you just light a match and then wood, it just burns. And, but uh, it doesn't always function that way. And so, um, but anyways, was, was trying to be, you know, a man, and I was trying to, you know, just trying to show my wife I could do this, and so she was trying to help, and of course, I think, no, 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 I got this, this is my job, and so um, anyways, one of the things I learned while building the fire, got the fire lit, it was good, it all, it all ended up working out, but one of the things uh, was pretty kind of interesting, just obviously we know that fire needs oxygen in order to, to burn, to, to, you know, needs the oxygen and the flow of it all. Well, when the fire started to go out a couple of times, or a lot of times, it would start to kind of dwindle, dwindle, and I kept checking, trying to see other people's fires, you know, if you're compared fires, and like, you know. Because I was like, man, theirs is really bright. Why isn't mine that bright? And um, so anyways, but I ended up, uh, a couple times it would go out. And uh, so then I would just, you know, blow on it, you know, to, to add the oxygen. And then it was really cool. It would just reignite. And so one time it, it went out and uh, like entirely. And Carissa's standing there. And then I, I breathed on it and it like lit up. And then it went out again, and then I breathed on it, and it lit up. And then my wife was trying to blow on it, but it wouldn't light up. And I would say, it's because you don't have the Spirit of God in you. And, and uh, you know, anointed. And, uh, and so she's like, that's crazy. I'm like, I know. And I was talking to God, and I was like, is this you? This is pretty cool. Do I have, like, certain power right now? That... So anyways, um, so I got the fire to, to, to light back up. I got a picture of it, and just to show you that proof that I, I can build a fire. And I know it's not massive. You, it's just the lighting, but, the, it's, uh, but, um, but, it was, but I didn't realize it um, again, but you could breathe into it, and all of a sudden it would just reignite. And as soon as I did that, I felt like God gave me a picture for this talk today. And I just thought, man, it only takes one word from God to reignite a passion in your life for him. It only takes one moment. It takes one breath of fresh air, often if you would, or one breath from God maybe inside of your lungs to help you keep moving or keep going and shine brighter. Just one moment with God can change the direction and course of your life. And it also reminded me on top of that that God is Redeemer. In other words, that nothing, even when it looks dead, is beyond God's ability to redeem or restore what was put out. 
And so this is a lesson. Am I getting an applause already? Wow, amen. That's fantastic. Um, well, that is what the story of the book of Jonah is all about. It is way more than just about a guy and a fish. And um, so write this into your notes. The book of Jonah is a story of redemption. If you were, I am sure there's great debate on that maybe, but if you were to unpack the story of Jonah, and I encourage you, go read the book of Jonah. It's just four chapters, not one take you long. Uh, go read through it. You will see redemption all throughout the story of Jonah. Even when Jesus refers to the story of Jonah, he speaks to it from the angle of redemption. And so it's all about redemption. It is way more than about a guy and a fish. So turn with me to John chapter, or Jonah chapter 1. We'll put it up on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can do that or open your phone app. And we're just going to talk about five life lessons from Jonah. These are life lessons that I think are good for us going into a new year. Also, some things we can land the plane because how you begin one, you know, how you end one year is how you begin the next year. And so, I want to give you five life lessons just from Jonah, just a kind of a big overview of this book. All right, so Jonah chapter one, verse one, one through four says this: The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away. From the Lord. Anybody ever ran away from the Lord? Amen. Every one of you at some point, right? For the Lord, he headed down to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And then I, I this is so of God. Then the Lord sent a great wind um, on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now, at first glance, you would think, well, that's messed up. You know, God, Jonah didn't do what God told him to do. And so in response, God sends a storm in his life, you know. But the storm is an act of redemption. Jonah's told to go tell the wicked people of Nineveh to repent and turn for God. And Jonah says, I'm not doing it. No way. Now you say, well, why would Jonah do that? And a lot of us could be critical of Jonah and say, man, Jonah's just a disobedient child. He should do everything God tells him to do. But when you look at what the calling was, the task wasn't no easy task. It wasn't something simple to do. It wasn't just to go preach the gospel just to anybody. He's called to preach to the Ninevites. The Ninevites are, these people are ruthless, brutal people. Very, very wicked. Just imagine in modern day, and I don't mean to be crude in any way by saying this, but this will help paint the picture of the calling. And I think this is as closest that I could tell you today that you could say, okay, I get the picture of what that would be like. Modern day, just imagine that God tells you today very clearly to go to Gaza and go tell Hamas that you are a Jew and you love the Lord and God's going to get them. I mean, you, most of you would say no. No, not, not, that couldn't be God. God possibly couldn't be asking me to do that. I mean, this is, from his angle, you're asking me to walk into a city. It's like a Jew going into Nazi territory and telling the Nazis, hey, bow down to my God, you know, turn from your sin. God's going to get you. You would say, that's, that's ludicrous. No way am I going to do that. This is the situation that, Jonah's asked to go do. This is not an easy scenario to be in. And so he certainly says, no, I'm not going to do the task. And so Jonah felt that they were so wicked, they didn't deserve an opportunity to turn to God. He thought they should all just be annihilated. 
These people are horrible, wicked, evil people. Just annihilate them, wipe them off the face of the planet. We don't need them. And so God says, Jonah says to God, no, I'm not, not doing it. So Jonah's decision to not do what God told him to do leads him ultimately into a storm. And eventually others are with him in the storm. And then eventually he gets thrown overboard. Look what it says in verse 14 and 15. They cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life because the storm is round. And the other men in the boat said, do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done as you please. So Jonah convinces them to throw him overboard and they do so. So then Jonah's thrown overboard into the raging sea and it grows calm. But he's still sitting there treading water. This is not a great situation to be in. And if that wasn't worse or bad enough, then here's what happens next. Of course, we know the story. Verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. That's fantastic, great up. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Now, I say this to you that because I think these two scenarios, the storm and the fish, is an act of redemption. God could have let him drown in the storm, but he didn't. He could have let him move on to Tarshish and not ever have someone sent to the Ninevites to tell them the gospel, the good news, if you would, to go tell them to turn from their sin. But God is acting on behalf of both Jonah and the Ninevites. I want you to see the picture in this that God had sent a storm and a fish not to, to condemn Jonah, but to correct Jonah. God will often correct your course. In 2023, when we're making decisions that aren't always of God or for God, God will still, in his mercy and grace, which is the whole story of Jonah, in his grace and mercy, his love, his tenderness, his kindness will follow us. His grace is sufficient for us. He will correct our course. He'll often allow storms to come our way, but he does that in correction, not in condemnation. Write this into your notes, and I want you to know this going into 2024. There is no regret God cannot redeem. There's no regret that God cannot redeem. Do you think Jonah ever had a moment of, probably should have done what God said? You know, when he's in the middle of the boat and, you know, all the chaos is abounding, and I'm guessing there was a one, two, there's probably a moment somewhere in the swinging over the board that they're telling, Jonah's thinking to himself, probably should have done what God said. You ever been in a situation like Jonah where you end up in a worse situation and you think back and you said, man, I probably should have just done what God said that I wouldn't be in this predicament? But I wanna encourage you going into the new year. There's no regret God cannot redeem. The whole story of this Jonah story is all about redemption. God is the redeemer. The Lord is redeemer. Redeem was a term that was used for buying back a slave. It's to bring back or buy back. God can redeem time. Did you know that God is the God of time? In other words, if you get off track for a period of time in your life, whether it be weeks, months, days, or years, God can still redeem the calling on your life. If God gave you a vision and a dream eight years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and you say it still hasn't happened or your decision-making hasn't been great to help you arrive there, God can still redeem it. There's no regret that God cannot redeem. And this is what he does through and for Jonah. Why? He didn't want to just redeem Jonah. He's also wanting to redeem the Ninevites, as we're going to find out in the story. The Ninevites need Jesus too. They need Christ too. They need the gospel too. They need to know who God is too. 
And so this act of a fish swallowing Jonah is an act of redemption in order to reach the people who want nothing to do with God. There is no regret that God cannot redeem. There is no person, there is no thing that God cannot redeem. Amen. Nothing is dead when it comes to God. He can resurrect anything. All things are possible with him. There's no regret God cannot redeem. And I say that because I'm guessing that some of you made a bad decision in 2023. Or you're going to make a bad decision in 2024. Now, every one of you at some point in 2024, including myself, will make a bad decision in 2024. And I want you to remember, when we make bad decisions, poor choices at times, there's no regret that God cannot redeem. That's how good God is. Amen. So here Jonah is living in the belly of the fish, and he starts to pray, starts to cry out to God, as we all do when we're in situations we don't like to be in. And here's the prayer at the very end of the prayer. Here's a couple of verses, a couple of lines that he says. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, Jonah says, with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. Now, this is the key line. What I have vowed, I will make good on. I'll come back to that in just a second. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on a dry land. That's probably a situation he's thinking, man, I wish I would have followed God the first time. This is an important promise that he makes and a vow that he makes to God. He says, God... I will make good on what I told you that I'm going to do. And the reason why he makes that statement is because Jonah is a prophet. Jonah had spent his life, his calling in life, telling other people about God. He would speak on behalf of God. This is what he did for a living, if you would. This is what he did as a life. He proclaimed the word of God to people. And now after God sparing his life, Jonah decides to recommit, in other words, to his calling. He says, God, I'm going to recommit and I'm going to do what you told me to do the first time. And I will go proclaim to the Ninevites that salvation is from the Lord. This is what he's saying when he says, I'm going to fulfill a vow. I'll make good on it. I will come through. I'm recommitting, Lord. You're the Lord. You're the Savior. And so, therefore, I'm going to do what you have called me to do. And I have found often in life, as you have too, it's often as when we commit what we commit to that determines our course in life, our commitments Often direct, direct or shape our courses. Write this into your notes. Lesson number two we learned from Jonah. Our commitments often shape our courses. Our commitments often shape our courses. Now just think about how helpful that is to understand from the story of Jonah. We give ourselves to what we're committed to. Jonah recommits to the calling of, Lord, of God on his life to go to preach to Nineveh. This is a specific calling that he's told to do, he's instructed to do, he's got a clear assignment to do. He runs from it, now he recommits to it. And in doing so, he gives himself to the Lord. What you commit to oftentimes will shape or direct our courses in life. We give ourselves to what we're committed to. So how does it help you go and me in 2023? Think about things that you committed to in 2023 and how it shaped the year for you. And then going into 2024, just a day away, just consider the commitments that you're making now and how they shape the course of what's going to your 2024 year might look like. So consider the fact that whatever we're committed to often shapes our courses. 
many people have New Year's resolutions or will come up with things they want to accomplish in the coming year. But it's not desire that gets us there. It's the discipline once said. It's the discipline that gets us to where we want to be. Or I might say it this way. It's more often connected to what we're committed to. What helps us arrive to where we want to go? Oftentimes, it's what we're committed to. If you get committed to something, you get committed to a gym, you get committed to a church body, you get committed to giving, you get committed to serving. It's what you get committed to that often, often helps you arrive to wherever it is you want to go. It's not just the desire of it. So you have a desire to have something, a desire to accomplish something, feel a calling on your life to accomplish something. It's not just the desire alone that gets you there. It's what you're going to get committed to. And the lesson, I think, is huge in that because the lesson is decide now, decide today to recommit your life to God. Get committed to the thing that God is impressing upon your heart to do. Just go ahead and decide now. I'm going to get committed to this. You could tell the Lord today, I'm getting committed to this calling. I'm going to be committed to a group. I'm going to get committed to serving. I'm going to get com- committed to the thing that you've, the burden you've called me to. This is what Jonah does before he ever goes and achieves it. He says, I'm going to get committed to it first. He recommits. And in 2024, there's a chance that you might get off track like Jonah. What do you do in those moments? You just recommit. You don't make it too complicated. You just wake up and say, Lord, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have ran from that. Lord, I recommit to the calling and then you get right back on the path that God has originally planned to take you. Amen. Our commitments often shape our courses. Consider that when you think about the commitments you make. And maybe you need to break some commitments so you don't end up in the wrong path, right? Or the wrong destination where you wanna go. So after making the recommitment, Jonah goes to Nineveh, and it says this in chapter three, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message I give you. There's a difference here, and I want you to notice this. And the very first time that God calls Jonah, he says, Jonah, I want you to go tell the Ninevites this. And when Jonah hears what God tells him to go tell them, he says, no way am I going to say that. So God knows what we can handle. Did you know that? He knows, in other words, what he can and cannot tell you. And that means that God also knew then when he told Jonah the first time that Jonah wasn't going to listen to him. So this time around, God changes the method and he doesn't unfold the full plan and he doesn't even tell Jonah what Jonah is to now tell them. Jonah has a pretty good idea, but he certainly doesn't say this time around. He changes the language. He says, Jonah, I want you just now to go to Nineveh. In other words, I'll tell you what to say when I get there, when you get there. Because God sometimes will only give you what you can handle. It's like Habakkuk, he told Habakkuk, you know, I can't explain everything to to you all the time. And if I did explain everything to you, you wouldn't understand anyways. So what's the lesson that we can learn from that? Write this into your notes. God more often uses the next step rather than the final plan. God more often gives us the next step rather than the final plan. Just remember that as you walk into a new year, a new season. It says, you know, God oftentimes, and many of us know this already, but we have to be retold again, that God just wants to give us oftentimes just the next step. We want the full plan, but God says, if I told you the full plan, in other words, to Jonah, you wouldn't even go the first place because he knew that Jonah couldn't handle it. So instead, I'm just gonna get you to Nineveh and then I'll tell you what to say when you get there. And we love that about God. That's our favorite thing about God, isn't it? that we just have to walk in obedience and faithfulness. We don't have to 
know the whole plan. No, we want to know the whole thing, but God does not operate that way. It's a lesson in life that you can learn about your relationship with God that he will rarely unfold the full plan. Instead, he just tells you the next thing to do. Amen. Continues on in verse three, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So he does it. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. <laughs> the powerful line to have to be told. And then watch this, verse five. I mean, I don't know what happened between verse four and five, but there's not a lot. Did you notice the preaching? I mean, what a sermon right there. In 40 days, Nineveh's gonna be wiped off the planet. That's a powerful sermon. And then in verse five, the Ninevites believed God. I know you don't get excited about this stuff, but that's the stuff that I was like, what? And then I went back and reread it. If you were to go to my Bible, you'd see all these underlines and markings and exclamation points and wow, and I literally wrote this. That was a miracle. That is amazing. Because did you catch that? He preached one sentence and everyone repented. Let me try it out. Uh, you're going to die in 40 days if you don't repent. Come on, run to the altar, get saved, you know? Do you see my point as a, as a preacher? You know, it's like, man, that's amazing, you know? One line, that's it, and they all turn. Miracle. What an amazing part. A fast was proclaimed. I mean, they got real spiritual. They fast, all of them. Man, this is incredible. From the greatest to the least, they put on sackcloth. The whole freaking city got saved. That's incredible. I just paused because I'm so like, that's crazy. Verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, so their actions backed up their words, he relented. And he didn't bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. What's the lesson you get from this? Write this in your notes. God is not the God of second chances. He's the God of another chance. Listen, a lot of times people will say Jonah and second chances. Oh, yeah, God gave Jonah a second chance. No, no, no. Then you miss the whole beautiful picture of Jonah. God doesn't give a man a second chance. He gave a whole city another chance. And another chance, and another chance. This is a desperately wicked city. And God relents. He says, no, regret is bigger than what I can redeem. And he literally, his word starts to pour out into a whole city. He's the God of another chance. God's forgiveness is always available. He is faithful to forgive. It's not a one-time opportunity with God. Look at this. In the final chapter of Jonah, we Hear the response of Jonah to the Ninevites. Watch this. This is so good. So in the final chapter of Jonah, um, there's a response that Jonah, watch this in, in verse, uh, chapter four, verse one. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. So Jonah goes and he tells them they repent. He sees this repentance happen. I mean, just, it's very wrong. He becomes angry. It's a Hebrew word. Hurrah to means to be hot, so he's furious. Now just think about what's happened. He's preached one sermon, everybody repented, and he's mad about it. 
He's probably the only pastor in history who's ever had that happen, a full altar call. Everybody gets saved. He's like, no. And he's angry. I mean, he's high. He's furious. And he prays to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. So now he tells you why he ran in the first place. Because I knew that you were gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents and sending calamity. And then he's so mad, he says, take away my life. It's better for me to die than live. I mean, he's furious, so furious. He's like, just in my life. I cannot have this. These people who are so wicked, he hated them so bad. He could just, just, just thought, I don't want to see them transformed. I don't want to see them saved. And I know that if I speak your word, they're going to turn. When they find out about your love and your grace and your mercy, they will turn. And I don't want that. I don't want the church to grow. I don't want the kingdom to expand. If you look at the last chapter of Jonah, he gets mad about a leaf over his head. His shade that he had. His whole life is like this, in this moment at least, I should say. Maybe at least in this moment, he's certainly very selfish. Because he's okay with God's mercy and grace on his life. But extending to others, no, I want that all for me. It's grace and mercy for for me. So Jonah wanted to bring God judgment. And because he hated the people. God would extend his mercy and compassion and unfailing love. So the people end up repenting. It was so painful to Jonah that he would rather have died than think about it. The reason he fled the call was not in fear that he would be ineffective as a preacher or prophet. His fear was that he would be effective. Incredible. And the reason he knew of God's mercy and compassion is because he'd experienced it before. And I'll show it to you last verse. 2 Kings chapter 14, we see Jonah. And Jonah had learned a lesson in his life. He's a prophet during the reign of Jeroboam, and it says this in 23 of 2 Kings 14. Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, began to rule over Israel in the 15th year of a king, and Messiah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 41 years, and this king, Jeroboam, did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam's son, Nebat, had led Israel to commit. So Jeroboam II recovered the territories. That's a phenomenal line, of Israel between Lebo Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet of Gethhafer. Verse 26 says, for the Lord saw the bitter suffering. He saw bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. And because the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name Israel completely, he used Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, to save them. Write this into your notes. See, Jonah knew this. He knew that God's mercy was unending, never ending. Lesson number five. The word of God does more than inform us. It transforms us. Dale Moody said something very similar to that, but the word of God does more than inform us. It transforms us. Jonah knew that in the past, when he'd seen God move in his life and the word of God spoken in his life, he knew that, man, this whole message of God will 
not just bring information into us, but it'll transform us. And if they hear the word of God, it'll transform everything in their life. They say, what does it have to do with you in 2024 going into a new year? I just want to remind you today of the power of the word of God. That the word of God was not given and meant to just be an information booklet to you. It was simply meant to transform you and everything about you. And no matter what predicament you're in in 2024, no matter what situation that we're in in 2024, God will use the word to transform your life. So today, this is simple. We get to learn these lessons as we go into a new season. And regardless of whatever's come your way, whatever's going on ahead, just remember that God's word can do incredible, wonderful things in your life. Amen? Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you, God, for things that we can extract from your word and learn from your word. And Father, I pray, Lord, as we go into a new season as a church body that you would help us to, one, follow your instructions, Lord. So there's five life lessons we just talked about. Number one was no regret God cannot redeem. If that's you today, if there's a regret you have, there's a regret you've been holding on to, and that regret's been holding on to you, you haven't forgiven yourself for it. Um, you wish you would have made the decision. You, you made the wrong one. You got into a situation you shouldn't be in. And you're asking God to help you to get out of it. Just remember today that there's no regret God cannot redeem. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins the moment we ask. It doesn't take him long. I encourage you, if that's you today, just tell him, Lord, redeem this regret of mine. And he can, and he's certainly able to restore all that's been lost. The marriage, he can redeem it. If it's the approach to how you treat someone in a relationship, he can redeem it. You just ask him, Lord, would you just restore this relationship? Redeem it. It's finances that were misspent, redeem it. Just redeem the finances. And then follow and do what he says. Maybe it's simply a commitment you need to make today. Lord, you know what I want? You might tell him. The Lord knows what you want. He knows what's in your heart before you ever even say it. To make the decision today just to commit. Lord, I'm going to commit to the path of following you. I'm going to commit to the thing you're telling me to do. I'm just going to commit to it, stay consistent with it, and trust that you'll navigate the course. Making a commitment today or a recommitment. Maybe today you're a Christian, you're saved, but it's a recommitment. It's a recommitment to calling. Might be one of you in the room or a few of you in the room called you just want to recommit. You've already told them that you'll do it. You'll told them you'll go. You'll told them you'll do whatever he says. But today there's a blessing in recommitting. No different than telling a loved one you love them again and again and you choose them all over again. Just a recommitment. Let's say, Lord, I recommit. I'll do it again. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll give what you want me to give. I recommit. Make the commitment today. Don't wait. Don't delay. Maybe it's a plan you're asking God to unfold. 
but he's giving you the next step. Just say, Lord, I thank you for the next one. And I'll go where you tell me to go and I'll just take the next step. Maybe it's putting your eyes on the fact that he's a God of another chance. Remember that. For some of you in 2024, you don't know what's gonna lie ahead. You don't know what's gonna come up next. You don't know what's gonna happen to you. But just remember, he's a God of another chance. He's not just a God of second chances. He doesn't just give you one shot and that's it. He never forsakes. He never gives up. He's always available, always willing. He's slow to be angry. He loves to extend his compassion and mercy. So just sit in that and remember that he's a God of another chance and another and another and another. One time Jesus was asked, how many times do I forgive? 77 times seven. I just keep forgiving. His mercy never runs dry. He's the God of another chance. For some of you, the refocus of his word, that the word of God was not meant to inform you, meant to transform you. So you just say, Lord, I pray that you'd give me insight, that you would transform my life. Remember that the word of God is not meant to be as a, just a Bible study tool to extract information, meant to transform every part of our being, the way we think, the way we love, the way we give, the way we serve, but commit today. And not just reading the word, but the more allow it to transform your life, to take what's in it, to do what James, the brother Jesus said, to do what the word of God says. Allow it to transform you. Make a commitment today. Lord, I'm gonna allow it to transform my life. I want it to transform my life. The way I see people, the way I talk to people, the way I think about your body. Lord, would you let your word go to work in our hearts. Father, we love you and we thank you for these lessons, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would bless this coming season as a church body. Lord, you would bless it and help us, Lord, see those blessings. Lord, use us in a mighty way. In any way that you tell us to go as a church body, Lord, we commit now this place to you. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We surrender this body to you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 Hey,